Hello and welcome to Still Any Good, the podcast where we run the risk of ruining our childhoods by revisiting fondly remembered films. My name is Robert Johnson and with me tonight is a reclusive primate who likes to walk around in the nude and shit in the woods. Yes, it's Chris Webb. Hello, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I have been shitting in the woods, how did you know? Well, you know, I I know you Chris, I know you. (laughs) I know your habits. We have been friends a long time, haven't we? So, uh, (laughs) Indeed. Happy, uh, happy 2K20. Yes, it's it's going well so far, isn't it? Yeah, um, you know, we've got horrific fires in Australia and, and World War Three seems to be imminent, but um, at least we've got this podcast happening and yeah, so it's not so bad after all. No, and despite all of that, on the plus side, I'm not in the garage. No, I can see that. You appear to be in a traditional room. I'm in a room, an office, if you will, sitting in a comfy chair with walls and there's yeah. no insects. It doesn't smell of cat piss. It's quite incredible. Oh, God, the year's getting off to a great start for you. Yep. This could be our year. It's going to be amazing. It is going to be amazing. And and for our first episode of, of the new year, we've got something special for our listeners. We do. It's not just a one Rob show tonight, is it, Chris? No, it's a bit like going back to the BBC in the 1980s. We have the two Robbies tonight. <laughs> Hi fellas, good to be here. Double helping of Rob. Yes, we have the one and only Rob Marland. Hello Rob. That's me. Hi guys. Hey Rob. How's it going? It's going pretty well here in the UK. I'm still here for Christmas. I'm having a prolonged Christmas holiday and uh, it's great to be talking to you guys. I have also been shitting in the woods. I'll just let you know that. (laughs) (laughs) So have I actually. Yeah. Well that's Brexit for you. Yeah. (laughs) If my mum's taught me one thing, it's to always carry Lou Roll with you, wherever you're going. Yeah. Just to be safe, you know. Oh, absolutely. Now, speaking mm-hmm. of your mum, for, for those who don't know who Rob Marlin is, and you should do, Rob is the co-host of one of my favourite podcasts, which is My Mum's Seen a Movie. And if you haven't listened to that, you bloody well should. It's really good. Thanks, Chris. It's fantastic. Is your mum with you today? No, she's not. I think she is actually in the cinema right now, watching all the films <laughs> I don't want to. I think she's off seeing Cats or something. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, I warned her so many times she shouldn't bother, and she doesn't need to see it, but I'm desperate to hear what she thinks of it. Oh, me too. That'll be in a future episode. Does she like James Corden that much? No, she loathes him, but she likes <laughs> making the most of her cinema pass, which she can get yeah. into films with for free once she's paid for the month. So she'll see anything. Absolutely anything. Well, it was 89 films in 2018, was it? And 109 in 2019? That she oh, yeah. It's her pr- it's a proudest achievement. She can't wait to beat that this year. She's already seen about 15 so far this year. We're, we're about a week wow. in. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of madness. It's a kind of sickness, which I am <laughs> facilitating, I think. You've got to exploit it, <laughs> definitely. Enabling, I think. Enabling, <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. Well, actually, I say facilitating because when, when Chris said I'm the co-host, I mean, that's that's stretching it. I really am the sort of person who turns the recorder on and lets her go, and then that's it. Yeah. Let's uh, talk rubbish for 10 minutes. She's genuinely one of my um, favourite film reviewers, just her frank, candid, just, <laughs> yeah. you know, if something's crap, she'll say it. Well, I mean, I never... If you're being a gobshite, she'll say it. (laughs) Well, I never really got got into it with her, like why I want to do the podcast with her. Partly it's to spend time with my mum, which is nice to do. But it's also because Mm. like, she never reads the reviews. She never knows what any of the films are about until she goes to see them. So it's a kind of genuine first impression that she gives. And she, she is honest, as you've said, yeah. And sometimes she doesn't know what they're about after she's seen them. Oh, no, yeah, she doesn't know what they're about. If, if she remembers them, she doesn't know what they're about, but most of the time she doesn't remember them. She just remembers that J-Lo is shit. That's all she remembers. Yeah. Well, she'll remember, yeah, she'll remember that. If J-Lo is shit in a movie, she'll remember that, yeah. Yeah, and she'll also remember Dwayne the Rock Dibley. I know she's a big fan of, too. Oh, yeah. If he, if he shows up, it's a 10 out of 10. You don't need the review then. If he's taking his top off, you're onto a winner. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Fantastic. Sold the film. Should we just no. talk about your mum? This is great. I <laughs> know. Oh, but because you are a guest, uh, Robbie, as mm. we're going to call you, you got to choose the film for tonight. Yeah, I made a long list of films that um, that I that I'd like to talk about, and there's a few films that I used to watch endlessly as a kid, but you know I haven't seen for maybe twenty, twenty five years now. And one of them is uh, now. Let me get this right. Harry and the Hendersons. For ages. He is hidden in the forest. 
eluded hunters, baffled scientists, and remained a mystery. Until the Hendersons bumped into him. What is it? It's a major discovery. We have to take it home. George. It's alive! It's eating my 15th birthday corsage. Uh Uh-oh. George, he's coming back. Stole him. I can't. How? Show him the pasta maker. Sit. Exercise, Irene. This is it. The whole world's gonna know. (gasps) Ran away. I gotta find him. I'm going to kill him. He means something to me. Can't you see that? He means something to me. We'll never see him again, will we? What I'm gonna say now might save his life. There has been yet another sighting of the creature that some people are now calling. Harry! Harry? Since when does he have a name? Since right now. The average American family just got bigger. Harry and the Hendersons. Isn't he something? I always want to say Bigfoot and the No, it's Harry and the Hendersons. It was released as Bigfoot. And the Hendersons in the UK. Oh, was it? Yes, that's how, that's how I saw yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And here, I think I remember as a child as Bigfoot. Apparently, it was released in some places as Bigfoot and the Hendersons, just to em- emphasize the fact that there was a Bigfoot in it, because they tried to keep yeah. Harry sort of under wraps. He wasn't in any of the original posters or some of the original trailers, so people didn't realize it was a Bigfoot movie. So just to sort of drop that hint, they called it Bigfoot and the Hendersons. Kind of gave it away. Surely that's the bloody selling point of the movie, though? That there's a Bigfoot in it. Otherwise, people just think they're going to see, like, you, me, and Dupree or something. It's just like a guy staying... <laughs> a guy named Harry staying with <laughs> yeah. the Hendersons. Yeah, there aren't going to be many kids in the, in the mid-80s asking their mum and dad if they can go and see the John Lithgow movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, we love them in World According to Garp. (laughs) (laughs) Kids love transsexuals. (laughs) Is there any reason? Give us a bit of history. Why did you choose this particular film? Well, like I say, I was thinking back to the films that I would endlessly watch as a kid. I mean, uh, this film is one of them. Another is uh, Bernard and the Genie. Arnold Schwarzenegger's Commando. The films that we had on VHS... And whenever we'd go to stay at my dad's on the weekend, we'd just look through the, the meagre selection of videos that he had. That'd be our Saturday morning viewing. And so this was one of them. One of the, We just must have recorded it off TV. And so we would watch it endlessly. You know, some films from your childhood, as you've talked about in the past, you, you do revisit periodically over the years. And so for me, that might be something like The Goonies or The Labyrinth, you know, the, mm. the standards for someone born in the early 80s. But... Bigfoot and the Hendersons, Harry and the Hendersons, wasn't one that I ever felt like going back to. But it did have this sort of warm feeling for me. I remember mm. watching it, being sort of emotionally connected to the plight of this uh, giant ape. Well, that's John Lithgow covered. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> so I thought I should have gone back to this at some point and tried to find out what I, uh, what I saw in it. And so I'm glad for the opportunity to do that today. Fantastic. But how about you guys? I mean, had you had you seen this before? I saw this at the movies. I was only six. And I think my um, uh, oldest sister dragged me along. And I absolutely loved it. I remember just being totally just loving this film. Again, like you, watched it on VHS quite a few times. I even got into the, the sitcom. I was that sad. Watched like the first couple of seasons of the sitcom that they did a few years later. But probably haven't seen it for about 25 years, something like that. Yeah, so it was very interesting coming back to it. Um, but like you, those kind of warm feelings, always a very nostalgic, sort of sentimental film. And I just remember absolutely loving this when I saw this. And I was obsessed with Sasquatch and things as a child anyway, so it kind of really fed into that for me as well. Well, it was 1987 this came out, so that would have made me bloody hell 16 when this came out but i did see it at the time i think i even went to the movies to watch it when it came out okay boomer so oh, fuck off <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 all right yeah i'm 50 next year yeah hilarious 
It's like Generation X never happened, is it? No. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it's a mindset. Boomer's a yeah. mindset. <laughs> but yeah. Because we only had the one cinema in our small town, we just went to see whatever was on. So Bigfoot and Henderson's was on, so we went to see it. And yeah, I loved it, even though I was trying mm. to be a really cool 16-year-old. I just thought it was great. I thought it was funny. I thought Harry was brilliant. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. I, I think I may have only seen it about once since then. So it's been, God, a good maybe even 30 years since I've seen it. So yeah. I'm very keen to watch it again. Um, of course, you know, the, the film can be viewed as a very strange episode of Pyro. Um... <laughs> what? It, it isn't? <laughs> have you checked the screenwriters for this? <laughs> Story by Agatha Christie. Yeah. <laughs> a strange one for David Suchet. But, I mean, um... is it, is, I've not checked IMDb, but is it his only film? Yeah, there are others. Because he's on, obviously he's on loads of stuff. If you look on IMDb, there's probably about 200 entries. Because his mm. first big thing was Poirot, which was a couple of years after this. But before this, the only thing I'd really seen him in was Blot on the Landscape, the Tom Sharp adaptation, which he was very, very good in. Still putting on that sort of European accent that he does in this and in Poirot. But other than that, have you seen The Bank Job? Great film. He plays the Cockney villain in that against Jason Statham plays Terry Leather. Your mum would love it, yeah. Rob. Oh, the Stath is in it, yeah, yeah. Stealthy Stath, yeah. Yeah, he's done loads and loads of stuff. But of course, yeah, you're right, it's Poirot or nothing, really. And throughout the whole of my notes, I haven't written his character's name, I've just written Poirot all the way through it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. I, w- I heard him say it, I thought I should make a note of that. Uh, no, he's, he's Poirot. Or yep, as my Poirot. grandma calls him, Poirot. He's Poirot. Hercules Poirot, yeah. yeah he's Poirot. <laughs> yeah, he sort of looks like Poirot crossed with like a Call of Duty avatar or something. Like, <laughs> like homeless Poirot. <laughs> Yeah, John Lithgow, as we've mentioned, is the head of the Henderson family, George. He's just brilliant, isn't he? I mean, he's fantastic. Oh, God, yeah. Everything he does. These days, because he's such a chameleon after playing for Roger Isles and Winston Churchill, they'd probably have him play Bigfoot if they did it these days. He'd be bloody good, too. He's big enough. You would have thought they would have chosen a lead actor to contrast with the giant Bigfoot character. Rick Moranis or something. Yeah, Rick, yeah. what was Rick Moranis doing at this point? Probably getting yeah. shrunk or something. Yeah, he's shrunk. Blow, yeah. Blowing up the kids, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but he is good. He's not. It's not as if he's phoning it in. He is giving it a full effort. Yeah. Which, I mean, if you sort of think about an actor in that position, I mean, if you're given the role in a Bigfoot movie, it would be quite easy yeah. just to go, yeah, all right, let's just knock this one out in a weekend. Yeah, or, yeah. 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 No one's going to be looking at me. They're going to be looking at Bigfoot. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just give it to Tim Allen, and um, you know he'll he'll buy some coke with his fee, and yeah. It'll, yeah well, yeah. it's a good job you weren't the casting director for this one, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Harry and the deviates, and then and the no septums. Harry and the septums. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the the other cast, we've got Melinda Dillon playing. Is she called Nan? Oh yeah, yeah. Nancy. Oh, but he keeps calling her Nan, which which confused me a bit. Bloody thankless role. She's, you know, twice Oscar-nominated. Is she? uh, Supporting actress. Close Encounters? Close Encounters, yeah. um, And Absence of Malice. Oh! Um, Yeah, so she's a proper actor. Mm. And her her whole role really is kind of as the slightly ditzy, supportive housewife. She Um, she plays a wife. I think half of her lines are just saying, George! Mm. While she pours him a coffee. That's you're right. She's sort of half the obstacle when the plot needs her to be, and then the other half of the time she's the supportive wife. I think the same thing is is mirrored in the kids. You know, you've got the the young mm. son who's a barrel of laughs in the first half of the movie when he's still yeah. a psychopathic wannabe hunter. Oh, he's a murderer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've written psychopath. Me too. Yeah, yeah, I have too. He's a bloodthirsty little psycho. I've written. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but just in a really fun way because he's always smiling. <laughs> and but the daughter, I mean. She has the kind of role that really ticks me off about any yeah. TV show or movie that has a teenage kid. And it is usually the teenage daughter. Yep. They're just played as like angry, like, a, oh, mom, oh, dad. Mm, that's the entire yeah, character. Yeah. She, she's got one stage direction in the whole thing. And it's roll your eyes. It's just such a cliche. There's nothing else to... Uh, they're doing the best with what they're given, but they're being given absolutely zero mm. to work with. Mm. And it's a shame yeah. because, I mean, I don't really even know why those characters are in there. You, you could just have it be a father and son movie if that's the way you want to take it. Because that, that was the thing that struck me, because the concept of this film, it's not that original. It's, it's one of those loads in the, the 80s where it's a character that's non-human teaches mm. somebody what it is to be human. 
but no, you've got like E.T. or Short Circuit or whatever. It's yet, yet. This is the only one that features a family. With the, the others are normally like a loner yeah. or a, a sad child or whatever. So I thought it was kind of interesting to have the whole family be affected by it. You don't normally see that that often. Well, Alf came out a year before. Well, he's gay. <laughs> <laughs> remember Alf? I love that you remember. Uh, Alf came out in 1986. Um, yeah, Alf came out in 1986. We, yeah. we all remember that. Mm. Now, I was a bit. Mm. I was a big fan of Alf as well. Is anyone born after nineteen eighty three going to know what the heck we're talking about now? I mean, <laughs> because <laughs> Alf is not something that's uh, got a huge cultural impact, is it? You're um, assuming that anyone born after nineteen eighty three listens to this. Uh, good point. Good point. Good point. <laughs> but it's the same dynamic as Alf. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. The big Alf. Except he doesn't eat cats. Doesn't eat cats. Just holds dogs. The little boy in it. I know we've talked about it in the past about when boys were cast in Hollywood movies in the 80s and 90s. They sort of fall into two categories. They either have a really crap bowl haircut or they stick a pair of glasses on them so they, they look a bit like mm. Mike Mills from REM. And this one's both. <laughs> well, I, I kind of thought because, you know, Steven Spielberg was a sort of uncredited producer on this. Um, I wondered if Ernie was kind of like a, a Spielberg sort of little stand in there. He's got the baseball cap, he's got the glasses, he just looks like a little mini Spielberg. Just doesn't have a beard because he's eight. <laughs> yeah, and he's the kind of character that you want to see in a Spielberg movie. The kid yeah. who is at the heart of the adventure. I've got to admit, when I was a kid, it was not clear to me that this was an E.T. ripoff. I mean, yeah, I was yeah, a big, yeah. I was a big fan of um, Mac and Me, the McDonald's ET ripoff, oh, and I had, yeah, I had but... no clue, I had no clue that was a McDonald's advert or it was an ET ripoff. But rewatching yeah. it for this conversation, you know, I thought, yeah, obviously this is an ET knockoff. And for the mm. first time, I thought, why the heck is this film centered on John Lithgow? Yeah, when it should yeah. so clearly be about the kid. And okay, the dad involved or something, but really, the kid is the more interesting character, I think, at the beginning. When he decides yeah. that he wants to give up being a psycho, I sort of lose interest in him, <laughs> to be honest. But Yeah. Maybe it's shared universe with E.T. and um, John Lithgow's actually Elliot's dad, who's bailed on the family. And No, he's in Mexico. Oh, is he in Mexico? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. There goes that theory. But I did also read that uh, the actor that plays Harry... Uh, Kevin Peter Hall was also the Predator. Oh yeah, he was the Predator, mm. and he died. He died at thirty-five from HIV. Yeah, he did. Yes, I yeah. really liked him in Misfits of Science. I'm not sure if either of you recall Misfits no, of Science. No. no, Robert, no. I think it only lasted for two seasons. It was kind of like an X-Men thing. Courtney Cox was in it. She had sort of telekinetic powers. Dean Martin's son was kind of like the Professor X. He also died tragically very young. Yeah, Kevin Peter Hall was a scientist. He would touch the back of his neck and then he would shrink. And there was like a whole hilarious thing about how he couldn't play basketball, which is, of course, incredibly ironic. Real tragedy. He died, um, I think, second season of the sitcom of Mm. Harry and the Innocents. He does uh, invest the character. I mean, it's hard to say. Like He's doing a lot with his body language and all that. And a lot is done with the animatronic face that he's somehow wearing. And it's even almost hard to figure out how this suit works. It's a decent suit. I think it's amazing. It still looks amazing. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's Rick Baker, isn't it? Yeah, and he won the Oscar. For best makeup. Okay, what well, for th- for this film? Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, it makes film. sense. Yeah, it looks pretty good. At times, you can see the features are moving in a kind of robotic uh, way, but uh, it is able to express a range of emotions, which is convincing enough. So I can see why, as a kid, you know, I don't feel looking back at it that I was in any way like manipulated or fooled. You do feel like, oh yeah, okay, this is a performance partly by the actors, partly by the puppeteers, and it, and it works anyway. I mean, the eyes on Harry are just, God, soulful. You know, Absolutely. that scene where um, John Lithgow's kind of got him in his sights and, and Harry just sort of looks at him and looks worried. And for a 30-year-old film, I thought it was amazing. Yeah, because obviously what's going to happen, and you know it will, they're going to remake it, and they will just yeah. CG his face, and it will lose yeah. any yeah. kind of charm or humanity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Either that, or in light of the Mandalorian, they could do Baby Harry. <laughs> you know, like oh yeah, just have like a, the John Lithgow character sort of carrying him around, and that could yeah. work. As um, Donna Mesh, our Bigfoot expert, points out at one point, you see loads of pigeons roaming around the cities, but you never see a baby pigeon. Well, now we've mm-hmm. seen a Sasquatch. What we haven't seen yet is a baby Sasquatch. So there we go. They'll call it Smallfoot, and oh wait, they've actually already made a bit of that, Smallfoot. Yeah. That was out last year, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, they make a Spider-Man movie every weekend now, so they can make a Bigfoot movie again, I think. 
Yeah. Well, there's yeah, been a few. Been. There's that. There's that abominable one as well. That's kind of a Bigfoot film, isn't it? So I think Bigfoot's quite. Yeah. He's quite on point at the moment, isn't he? What about mm. Missing Link? Is that one? Yeah, I think it's it is. Big... He's a, he's a, yeah he's a Sasquatch. Yeah. And they they mm. go and visit some Yetis. I mean, I'm saying this as if I know. My mum's seen it. And yeah, it's funny, interesting. You mentioned Donna Mesh because um he's 79 in this. He looks bloody good. He's 79 in everything. <laughs> yeah, he was he was famously 79 for 32 years. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought, wow. If there was a film yeah. with a baby Donna Mesh, it would just look exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> Little pencil moustache. Doing his break dancing. So the film. The film. It starts. Is it in Washington Stakes? They're in Seattle, aren't they? That's yeah. It. We get a sort of nice, sort of creepy POV style opening, which reminded me a little bit of American Werewolf in London. I was sort mm. of expecting somebody to wake up in a hospital bed when he was doing that. And then we see the first glimpse of Psycho's son. Yeah. George, yeah. And, er- George and his son Ernie have turned up, and-, and Ernie's made his first kill. And I thought, well, it's not going to mm. be his last, is it? He's going to move onwards and upwards. No. It's the Wasp Factory, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like a Dexter flashback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they do their kill, they go home, and on the way home, they run into something. First of course, they drive past every single woodland creature that ever existed before. Yes. <laughs> before this. It's like a um, Elmer Fudd cartoon or something. Yeah. But, it's like Snow yeah. White. <laughs> And it's you know, lovely scenery, I have to say. Yeah, that's very cool. nice. It's really nice, mm-hmm. yeah. But because George is driving a bit fast, he's trying to be all manly driving in the forest, and it's a bit misty, he hits something in the road, and he thinks it's like a bear or something, but it turns out it's got fingers and really hairy hands, like Richard yeah. Keys. But yeah. no, it's Bigfoot, and he thinks he's Ernie dead. Ernie tells him to shoot it. Yeah, so Ernie tells him to shoot it and blow its guts out and stuff like that. Good old Ernie. They decide to put him on top of the car and take him home. And then we get a really good jump scare when he just appears in the windscreen. I enjoyed that. It did actually make me jump mm. out of my chair a little bit. Yeah, it's one of those moments that I remembered from the film as a kid, so I knew that was coming. But what I, what I didn't anticipate was just how long that whole sequence is because they so desperately want that jump scare of Bigfoot mm. poking his head over the windscreen. But they still need to get the Bigfoot back to their house. So he's mm. going to have to fly off the roof again, hit the road again. Is he dead? Shall we go and check? Shall I take my gun? Mm. It's kind of like a felt like a very long, repetitive scene. Yeah, yeah. They could have just hit him once and have him on the roof of the car. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's like, can we just get home? I, you mentioned before, Rob, the sitcom. I'd never seen it. Yeah. I'd never seen the sitcom yeah. spin-off. So I just had a quick look of it. I had a quick look at the first episode. It just starts like, boom. They're back home. They've got the Bigfoot home. It's done. He's yeah, on the phone. Yeah. He's on the phone to the council. All right, guys. I've got a Bigfoot. Oh, you don't believe me? Okay. Well, I guess we'll make a sitcom. Boom. And that's mm. it. Go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, in this, it just go. It goes so fast. And I think the moment also where they they go, what is it? Is it a gorilla? No, it's a Bigfoot. What else is it going to be? There's sort of no. Um, I, I guess I'm yeah. not really expecting an investigation of what it is. But the film's set in a world where Bigfoots exist. Big feet. I don't know. Bigfoots exist. <laughs> Bigfoots. And um, and they just go, yeah, it's obviously a Bigfoot, isn't it? Okay, we've got a Bigfoot now. Yeah, it's very accepting of it, yeah. None of the Hendersons are really that amazed. That they've They're not amazed enough, are they? Not really. I mean, there's a moment of, ooh, wow... Oh, I can maybe make some money out of this instead of just being like you'd be shitting yourself. You'd drive mm. off. You wouldn't fucking take the thing home. You'd drive off, call someone immediately. You would just be absolutely terrified. I don't know. Maybe they noticed he didn't have sharp teeth, and so just deduce from that that he was a vegetarian. I'm not sure. You're absolutely right though. They wouldn't just think, oh, it's Bigfoot. You, you would just think it can't be. Yeah. It must just be a very yeah. hairy, naked man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'd immediately yeah. think that. Yeah, any normal person would. It's. Yeah. <laughs> I think what must have happened is, whoever the heck it was who wrote this, William Deer, we've got to get the Bigfoot back to the city. How are we going to do that? He's not going to voluntarily go, so he's going to have to be unconscious. And that just means mm. they can't encounter him, as they probably should have encountered him, in the woods mm. when he's fully conscious and they can interact with him and be really amazed and not have to have that scene quarter of an hour later in their kitchen. Yeah. It's it's either that or they didn't interact with him at all. They've got like a caravan or a Winnebago and he's just snuck in the back because they've left some food out and they've driven him home without knowing it. There, five minutes. There you go. There you go. (laughs) These are the three writers that they needed. (laughs) 
so we are available for the reboot like i said before you know i am currently unemployed and i am ready to work on (laughs) harry and the hendersons too well the other writer well one of the three writers bill martin all he did he seemed to do was um 80s action cartoons like centurions sort of gi joe defenders of the earth all the cool 80s action cartoons that I, i loved as a kid but i don't think he ever did any sort of live action stuff no. and William Deere of course Angels in the Outfield I mean and another movie that I've considered for this podcast Chris If Looks Could Kill oh. I really enjoyed that as a kid Richard Grieco as a spy Richard Grieco um, wow <laughs> yeah Booker remember that 21 Jump Street I do you know? but um. Will- William Deere did also write the story for the Rocketeer which I know we've suggested for this. Oh, did he? Mm. I was surprised when I learnt that this week. A famously well-plotted film. So to put it up against this is kind of... Well, not Mm. not to uh, preempt my uh, review of Harry and the Hendersons, but... yeah, I think we've well, all, already film, started to. Even. I've already started to pick holes in the uh, the, pl- the plotting. But... That's okay. Yeah. That's why we're here. But meanwhile, Poirot is on the case. He's using yeah, his little yeah. grey cells, <laughs> licking fur to try and find Harry or Bigfoot, but he conveniently yeah. finds the license plate, so he's onto something. Mm. So we will leave that hanging. But you're right. They're, they're in the Henderson house, and Bigfoot's ransacking the place. He's eating plants. He's being all big, going through doorways and yeah. things. You know, it's getting a bit crazy. Drinking milk out of the carton. Terrible, terrible. Beast of the fields. So George naturally tries to kill him. Mm. He gets his big gun mm. out, and as he's looking down the, uh, the, it's not called a viewfinder, is it? What's the thing on the top of a gun called? The scope. When he's looking down the scope, thank you, sees something in Bigfoot. Is it humanity? Is it sadness? So he decides not to shoot him. He decides to keep him instead. I found this to be quite a long sequence too. It was just a long kind of Harry trashing the place, them getting a bit scared and a bit worried and running around and some practice. It is very one note, the whole, oh, he's a bit big, he's going to knock something over kind of thing. Obviously, they've got this amazing animatronic and, you know, costume and they're wanting the audience to really kind of absorb how impressive this thing is. Mm. And, And it is. Although they do kind of undercut the danger of the moment, don't they? Because they can't help but try and play it for laughs, even in this yeah. moment where it really should be the scary monster. And yeah. later on, we realise, oh, he's as scared of us as we are of him. Yeah. They still have yeah. to have that moment where... And this is one of the moments that I remember. There's sort of two or three moments that stuck with me over the last quarter century. I can't believe I'm saying <laughs> that. But it's the moment where he eats the daughter's corsage out the fridge. Yeah. And of course... Like, <laughs> As a yeah. as a British child, I was not aware what the heck a corsage was. No, but yeah. she gets very irate that he's eating mm. this corsage, and I mean that's her moment in the film, really. Once that's done, yeah. she's more or less over with, as far as. Well, the, she only uh, has that moment as a setup for the moment near the end of the film where he can bring her a whole lot of stolen flowers. That's the yeah. only reason she exists in the film. Yeah. And that moment at the end of the film doesn't really work because she's been sidelined for yeah. the whole film. I, they're, they're trying to give her some sort of journey or arc in that the fact that she's yeah. this rollerized teenager at the beginning and by the end she's finally accepted yeah. him but she's not in the middle of the film at all she's she may as well she's not, not be there she's no. not. oh well, another of my favorite characters then gets introduced little bob little bob who's the little dog i like him yeah he's got some great moments in this film yeah he's got some bob. good small dog yeah. fangs and i like little dogs with yeah. big fangs he looks great but yeah. he does look absolutely yeah. petrified when the bigfoot's holding him you can just tell he's kind of like <laughs> shivering and his ears are tucked back. I wonder how many bobs they went through. <laughs> oh, God. Let's just hope the hands weren't animatronic too, you know. You've got an overzealous puppeteer. So- sorry, guys, I've overcranked it. I've overcranked it yeah, again. Yeah. Someone get a mop. Yeah, well, he was the predator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which film is this again? Oh, no. <laughs> And what happens then? Do they try to lure him into the car? Oh, with Happy Meals, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, the thing that struck me about that is, of course, he's trying to get him in going, oh, tasty burger, and throwing them in the car. He throws mm. a milkshake in the car, and the lid <laughs> yeah. stays on. Now, yeah. I can't walk out of a McDonald's without it going all over me. I don't know how the hell he managed to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's amazing. You've got to suspend disbelief sometimes. I know they're thick, but, I mean, that's like cement to keep that lid on. <laughs> So they're about to take Bigfoot back to where he came from. But then sadly, let's call him Little Urn. Little Urn shows a bit of humanity, which is unfortunate. And he has a bit of a tanty about letting a wild animal back into its natural habitat. And so while he's doing that, 
Bigfoot does a runner and yeah. starts visiting visiting a few unsuspecting locals, which is, I suppose, like another American werewolf parallel. Mm. It'd be great if they carried that on and he'd eaten some tramps or something. That'd have been quite good. My, my attention started sort of wavering in the second act when he sort of is missing or he's, on, he's at large. Because I just didn't remember that. As a kid, my memory is that he was with the family the whole movie until... Yeah, same here. They same tried. Here. So the whole second act where he's kind of at large and... I, I was watching this going, I don't remember this at all. I started thinking a, a better movie would have been Chewie and the Hendersons, where <laughs> Chewbacca lands. It's kind of like, you know, the real E.T. thing, a Kashyyyk ship just leaves him. And then he goes around just ripping people's arms off. That'd be good. That would have been really yeah. that'd have been good. Chewie and the Solos would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Chewie, yeah, Chewie and the Solos, yeah. <laughs> it turns up at Han's mum's house for Thanksgiving. That'd be brilliant. But I had exactly the same thought as you there, Rob. I mean, as soon as Harry runs off into the night, I thought, I don't recall this at all. And then he's gone yeah. for so long, like 30, maybe yeah. 40 minutes. I suppose that's so they can have a series of Bigfoot encounters and get the whole mm. rest of the city involved. But because, as we've already said, this is quite clearly an E.T. ripoff, I was thinking back to, you know, those that portion of E.T. is when Elliot and E.T. are getting to know each other and yeah. they, they are beginning to care for each other. And so in this, yeah. we, we, we miss all that. That doesn't really happen. Mm. And you sort of think, well, when are they connecting with this Bigfoot character? You don't really see it. They just feel a responsibility. Yeah. Lithgow's character kind of goes through this awareness or this kind of change that, oh, actually, he's a he's more of a man than an animal and, you know, maybe I shouldn't be such a bloodthirsty hunter because, of course, he works for his at Henderson and Sons. His father owns a hunting store and he goes through this awareness kind of away from Harry, doesn't he? Away from Bigfoot. And it's while the whole kind of Seattle is, is seeing having these sightings and everyone's kind of getting this um, hysteria about a big foot on the loose that he he starts going through this change it's kind of yeah it is it's weird that he's not doing that through interacting with harry yeah and it's less yeah. of a character arc than a, than a character hairpin you know it's that moment yeah. chris mentioned when he looks at harry through the uh the telescope the telescope huh? yeah the, the, the gun sight <laughs> and um yeah harry was and on in the that moment <laughs> before that moment he's like right let's sell this guy to a museum Let's yeah. shoot him in the face. And then yeah. immediately after, he's like, I'm a nice yeah. guy now. So he goes through this um, complete right turn in his character. And that's before, mm. I think, they even establish that he works in this um, this gun store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's all sort of backwards. And then they also then throw in, just from nowhere, I don't want to be a hunter anyway. I want to be an artist. Mm. And that just comes from yeah. absolutely nowhere. Because he clearly wants to be a hunter because he shoots animals in the face. Uh, the way that Lithgow plays the character, though, it's like he's an accountant or a stockbroker or something. He doesn't do, I'm a kind of hunter guy, like that convincingly. And then I, I, So I found it really jarring when it turned out that he was actually working in a hunting store. Because, mm. you know, it's John Lithgow. He's this erudite Ivy League kind of guy, you know, like... Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he's there. He's he's clearly not a hunter or an artist because you can tell when someone comes around mm. for dinner, he's got his tie and his blazer on and things like that. It's it's like a quantity surveyor or something. Yeah, I sort of pictured him as an accountant who, in the weekend, you know, buys his he's got his hunting stuff and goes out and tries to kind of play act as a macho guy. But you know, it's great to see him in at Walsh. Of course, he's always ah yes. Welcome in the film. Yes, he is good, isn't he? Yeah. So he's there playing um, George Henderson's dad, and at the yeah. at the time I saw him, I thought. I don't know who this guy is. I recognise him from something. Yeah. I looked it up. It's you know, he's the guy from Blood Simple. The, yeah. Is he like the the sort of sleazy private eye from that's right. Blood Simple. Yep. You get that same feeling from him in this. I mean, that that's the role he's supposed to play. He's supposed to play the sort of patriarch who's pro hunting. Let's yeah. see the Bigfoot as this monster. Let's make money off it. And he's yeah. the guy that you you know Lithgow is should be fighting against. But he's introduced far too late, I think. He he should have been there in the beginning, maybe. I don't know. He should have been the one in the forest, being all gung ho. Come on, grandson, yeah. let's go and. Uh... That's interesting. Well, Lithgow's doing a sketch of a of a bird or something in the trees, you know. And, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> There's your opening scene. Absolutely. There you go. It's a it's a page one rewrite, isn't it? Exactly. So Bigfoot's running around the city, yeah. Yeah, Poirot's trying to track him down, while at the same time, I think Poirot goes to the Henderson's house, pretending to be, yeah. is it like Mistel Smith, which just reminded me of Blackadder. <laughs> he gets suspicious when he talks to Nan, and she says, oh yeah, we hit something, but it walked into the woods. And he goes, oh, walked? I said, what, yeah, yeah. what else do animals do? <laughs> yeah. Unless it's a bird or a fish, it's going to walk, yeah. isn't it? It levitated into the woods. Oh, okay. Sauntered. <laughs> 
<laughs> it phased yeah. through a tree. Such a bizarre choice. And then she tries to backtrack. You go, oh, uh, no, no, it crept. It, uh, it sort of it scampered. It's not an Enid yeah. Blyton book, is it? It's we would say it walked. It walked on <laughs> it its walked. feet. It walked. Yeah. But it's not like she said it bipedally walked. Yeah. yeah. It walked like a man would do, or a or a bigfoot would do. It walked on its big feet. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the Patterson Gimlin film? Yeah, it was just yeah. like that. It walked off. Yeah. It turned and glanced at me slightly as it walked <laughs> off. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't have the boobs. <laughs> And I think then George goes to see... I think we've all pronounced it differently, so I'm going to say Don Amici. He goes to see him, because he's trying to find Dr. Rightwood, and he sort of goes, well, Rightwood ain't here. Um, and that's when he does, as you said earlier, um, Rob, the, the baby pigeon analogy, which doesn't work in the way he's trying to do it, because we know that pigeons exist. Yeah. <laughs> Did they in 1987, though? <laughs> yeah, I went to London in 1985 and got shot on by one. Yeah, so yeah. So, so there wasn't a reality show called Finding Pigeon no. at that time. And, okay. <laughs> and then, of course, with the sightings, um, George has this strange altercation with a cyclist where he becomes mm. semi-famous because he knows all about Bigfoot. And that's when Harry sees him on TV. And then there's this strange sort of cat and mouse through the, the back streets of Seattle where I think George and the police and Poirot and some hunters and Harry are all running around. Um, but the end result is that, that Harry and George escape and, and Poirot gets arrested after falling yeah. in shit. They're driving around in the yeah. garbage. In a big shit cart, yeah. yeah. And Harry is so pleased to see George, even though, as far as he knows, all George has ever done was try to shoot him. <laughs> Hit him with the car. Killed loads of other animals, because he's had to bury <laughs> all the trophies from yeah. his previous hunting expeditions. Tried to lure him into a car with a filet fish that's, yeah. that's all the connection they have. And yet when yeah. he sees him again, it's like an episode of Silla Black Surprise Surprise. <laughs> he, can't, <laughs> he can't wait to get in there for the, for the hug. It doesn't quite ring, ring true. They haven't done the work, have they? For it. No, they haven't earned that love, no. But they take him home, they, they give him a bath in the swimming pool, which I thought was quite nice. That's mm. so Ernie says, oh, I'm going to go and take a photo. And of course, this is pre-digital photography. And I just wonder how you'd explain that when you pick them up from Super Snaps. <laughs> There's yeah. this giant, hairy, naked man in the background. Chuck a few nudes in there as well, so they're distracted by that. Yeah, good thinking. That's what I'd normally yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and of course, then they, they sort of blow dry him, don't they, in, in front of the Adams Family for some reason. He, he seems to be really enjoying the Adams Family theme song. He's got this kind of... He's got a big smile on his face. Yeah, he's got a big smile on his face. It sort of makes me wonder where they've pointed the, um, the blow dryer, because he's got a really big smile on his face, yeah. Oh, no! Oh, but wait, actually, Rob, you bring that up, and that is something that... I don't know if this was cut out of the version that was transmitted on British TV in the late 80s, but there's a moment near the beginning where the daughter says to her mum, oh, you know, it's a fella, it's a big, yeah. it's a male Bigfoot. And yeah. the mum says, well, how do you know? And there's a sort of look they mm. pass between yeah. each other, which basically says to the audience, I've seen his dick. Yeah. I've yeah. seen his Bigfoot big dick. Why the hell did we need that? You've seen his sass cock. <laughs> it's... And I don't know how she's seen it, because we do see very many full frontal nudity uh, shots of mm. Harry. Mm. I mean, he's a big, mm. hairy guy. And you're not seeing any kind of Sasquatch member in those shots. Mm. So no. If she's seen it, I don't know how she's seen it. Is it like that fish movie from last year or whatever, where it just comes out of a little slot or what? I don't know. David <laughs> Cronenberg's Harry and the Hendersons we're talking here, aren't we? <laughs> It's just a totally unnecessary moment. I mean, yeah. why do we need to establish that? And if we need to establish it, why in that way? Well, you know how girls are always playing with hair ties and things? Maybe like... She drew the curtains and behind yeah. it, it was... <laughs> I suppose like we know Chewbacca's a boy and we know that Bungle is a boy and you never see anything of them either. <laughs> Wait, how do we know Bungle's a boy? I was going to say, do we know Bungle's a boy? I think I, Bungle's I think a boy. A bit... He's a bit fey, but... He seems a bit non-binary to mm. me. I think Bungle's a boy. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Is Bungle a boy's so, name? Um, Bungle and the Hendersons. No. <laughs> that would work. Um, because Harry's back and he's had his makeover, Don Amici phones up. And surprise, surprise, he is Dr. Wrightwood. I never saw that coming. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a big surprise. Mm, you didn't? No. Yes, I did, yeah. Because he's got yeah. one of the most distinguishable voices you've ever heard. And so he... Meets Harry, which I thought was quite nice. Yeah, because he's, he's totally cynical. He's, he's studied Bigfoot and been trying to find Bigfoot his whole career and 
completely cynical about it. And then when he sees Harry sort of sneaks up behind him at the dinner table, he's just totally enchanted by the mm. fact that Bigfoot does exist. But then his first instinct is to go and get a sleeping bag and sleep with the Sasquatch. He saw his todger too. Yeah. So he was like, oh. I suppose it's been a while. <laughs> 79. 79. <laughs> Hey, you're never too old, are you, I suppose? No. Yeah. I suppose after swimming with those cocoons, he's he's got a boner too, so he needs to use it, doesn't he? <laughs> he called Wilfred Brimley, got him around. <laughs> <laughs> Who was younger than Ernie when this film was made, yeah, probably. He was only yeah. younger than Tom Cruise. But now Harry's been accepted, um, and he, he does that nice scene where he gives Sarah some flowers, which I quite like, not for the fact that he gave her flowers, it's just the fact that he pushes her over, I thought was quite funny. <laughs> yeah, that was good, actually, yeah. yeah. It just knocks her yeah. flying. But the happiness doesn't last because Poirot turns up and there's a big chase on Interstate 5 as they're heading up to the, the National mm. Park. And Harry gets away by doing the siren noise. Very Larvel Jones from Police Academy. He could have done some like poli- mm. machine guns or helicopter. Yeah, they didn't give us any advance warning that that was his special skill. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that Harry was a beatboxer. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a giant Bigfoot beatboxer. And he can... <laughs> I don't know, like eat flowers. That's his thing. And, and he went on to become an integral member of NWA. <laughs> BWA. <laughs> but we're coming up to the moment now, which is the one I really remembered and what had stuck with me. And what I thought oh, yeah. in hindsight was what elevated this film amongst other, yeah. you know, made for TV pap of the mid 80s. Yeah. I thought this yeah. film has got a heart because yeah. as I remembered it, at the end, they have to say goodbye to the, to Harry yeah. and shoo him off into the woods. And yeah. he doesn't really understand what's going on. So mm-hmm. they have to be mean and push him and you know, spit on him and say, Go, you know, get yeah. back in the woods, we hate you and all this. And so that happens. But then 30 seconds later, they yeah. just completely undo it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't remember that ever happening. As far as I was concerned, Harry went back off into the woods thinking, oh, they hate me, they hate me. But we knew mm. that our human characters had done the right thing. I, I remember crying in the theatre when um, Lithgow's sort of, you know, shouting at him, go away, get out and hit some. And I remember being really troubled by that. I think that scene yeah. is genuinely touching. I think it's really, really yeah, it well played. Yeah, it is. And it obviously wor- it worked on us as kids, the target audience. Kids would probably still react in the same way now. I just think it's so odd. I don't know what you think, Rob or Chris. Like, Did you remember the scenes after that? I had no recollection at all. The, the two things I do remember is him stomping around with his fake big feet afterwards and then um, Harry catching the, the dog so I remember that being like a yay cheering in the theatre moment when Poirot throws the dog and Harry sort of catches him. I had a completely different memory of it. I all I could remember that was was Harry was in some sort of jeopardy, and he was rescued. I don't remember this playing out in this way at all, and mm. I kind of prefer my version. I think. Well, the the bit where um, Poirot throws the dog through the forest and then out of nowhere comes the hand and catches the dog, that really reminded me of The Force Awakens at the end when um. <laughs> Kylo Ren's trying to get yep. the lightsaber and it flies into Ray's hand. I was like, oh I my was God, gonna, I J- was going J- to J- say <laughs> it is a lightsaber shot. I was, I, I had the same <laughs> thought because it's just the, totally in the frame. It's just the hand and the dog. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So I guess we know where J.J. Abrams gets his ideas from. It's wow, not just exactly. films that Spielberg directs. It's also one he yeah. ones he produces. You know. <laughs> yeah, as you said, very very quickly they realise they've done the wrong thing and they they try and save Harry by doing all these a bit like The Shining. They do all these fake footprints in the snow and then little Bob has a crack at Poirot. He does his little dog fangs, which, again, I enjoyed. And Harry comes in and smashes the rifle, so Poirot kicks him in the nuts, which, of course, was obviously quite easy to find, because Sarah would have told him. Yeah, very sensitive, too. Yeah, and then George basically tries to cave Poirot's skull in by smashing his head against a car, which Ernie would have approved of. But Harry saves him and and sort of pats Poirot on the head. And then that alone means that Poirot has been cured of his bloodthirsty ways, and he'll never be a killer again. And I thought, nah, that's not going to well, happen. Till he goes to Loch Ness. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> really yeah. nukes the Loch Ness monster. That felt very much like our Thundercats moment. Yeah, the end of an episode where someone, <laughs> someone tells an awful joke and then everyone stands in a circle and laughs. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh, 
Well, yeah. Everyone, everyone's friends. Everyone just like tilts their heads back. <laughs> yeah. They, uh... oh, nice one, Snarf. It's, it's the police square. <laughs> but the the big reveal at the end is, of course, Harry finally goes off into the woods, and there's a whole mm. family of feet a... waiting for him. He's got a little got family. A family. Yeah. The yeah. feet family. They were waiting for him. Yeah. At which yeah. point, Prowro would have gone, well, they wouldn't miss one, would they? And he'd get yeah. his gun out, because if there's more than one left, he'd, he'd bag one of those, definitely. He would have got a club out and twatted the kid on the head and yep. fucking dragged them back. Absolutely. <laughs> there's your baby Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. At least do yeah. something to set up a sequel. Yeah. They didn't really think about that too much in the 80s, but... They could have had the spin-off, Nessie, Nessie and the Mc, Nessie and the McHendersons. Yeah, yeah, Nessie and the McHendersons. <laughs> George McHenderson knocks out Nessie in a speedboat. <laughs> and they drag him back. Drag him back to their <laughs> stone cottage. <laughs> with wee morag yeah that yeah. could work yeah franchise so that's the end of the film and as the credits roll we get a very 80s joe cocker song yeah and i thought well, that's who harry looked like because he does look like joe cocker yeah, God, he yeah. Does, eh? yeah yeah when he's looking all stressed out when he's trying to cross the motorway and he looks all stressed out and strung out and yeah he does look very cocker like yeah yeah, yeah. are you going to ask i'll ask of our, of our guest so rob harry and the hendersons do you think this is still any good? Well, one word answer, I'd probably say no. Mm. To briefly expand on that, I would say probably if you stuck a kid in front of this, they would enjoy it, I think, as much as we did when we were kids. But there are films that I haven't seen for 20 odd years and I've gone back and watched them and I have had a warm feeling, the same warm feeling. Honestly, as I was rewatching this, I just mostly felt bored. <laughs> uh, and, and mostly for the reasons that you described earlier, like when Harry leaves the, the family for half of the film, it does really drag on. So yeah, I didn't have the... I recognised the moments that I thought, oh yeah, I liked this bit as a kid but I was getting none of the emotional payback. I probably would not recommend those who enjoyed this as a kid to go back mm. and give it another go. You're sort of better off with your memories, I'd, I'd say. What do you think? Uh, I was trying to imagine a, a child watching this. I think they would get bored now, these yeah, days, and that, that, whole, mm. that whole second act. That first act, yeah, the second act where, where he disappears. And there was almost like no plot. It was just kind of this awakening that Lithgow had about, oh, I actually... Maybe I shouldn't be a bloodthirsty hunter. And, you know, the message of the film is lovely. It's got really nice intentions, which is we don't actually have to go around killing animals and especially not Sasquatch. But just dragged on for me. And I still think the puppetry effects hold up for the most part. But, um, yeah, just dragged. So it's a, it's a not good for me, sadly. Chris? I'm going to disagree slightly. Because I have to say, I enjoyed it. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I thought that John Lithgow was great, because he always is. I thought Harry was brilliant. Not just the animatronics or the, the makeup, whatever it is, but I thought the character himself was just completely and utterly charming, incredibly lovable. Of course, it's got its flaws. There's very little for the women to do. It's very 80s in the way that women characters are, are portrayed, which they've got absolutely nothing to do except be fun police. Mm-hmm. But as you mentioned, Rob, the underlying message of the film, which is hunters are pricks, mm. is fine by me. Because uh, mm. I agree 100%. Any film that comes out and says that, then I'm going to give it an extra star. Yeah, it's um, a lovely message. Hmm. So, mm. yeah, I'm going to buck the trend a little bit and say I thought it was good. And I would sit my kids down and watch it. And I think I will sit down and watch it with them. There's no chickens in it, so... No, it should be all right, around. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that video I shared yesterday, Rob? My daughter being attacked by chickens? No, I did not see that, but um, I do agree that <laughs> chickens are the most evil of all God's creatures, so that's fair enough. <laughs> about the fun- Awful, about the funniest thing I've seen in months, which is my daughter being mauled by chickens. It was great. Yeah, well, you're witting yourself <laughs> laughing throughout the whole oh, thing. So. so funny. Well, Rob, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on our little show it really has that was brilliant i really enjoyed that thank you yeah and i i, I apologize for inflicting the, the film on on you rob but um it definitely was good to rewatch it so even though i didn't enjoy it as much as i did as a kid i'm glad that i've gone back and seen it again look i was very happy to watch this because it's on netflix at the moment so i didn't have to purchase anything off itunes so i was, I was more than happy i was pleased <laughs> with that too that was that was good for me <laughs> But yes, listeners, please do add, if it isn't already, to your podcast oeuvre. My mum has seen a movie. 
you won't regret it. Highly, highly enjoyable. Absolutely. It is one of my favourites. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Chris. I think it's great. And uh, anything else you'd like to plug, Rob? I, I know that you've you've got other artistic irons in the fire. Oh, yeah. Some great stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, as well as making podcasts with my mum, I also make comics. So I've made a graphic novel about Oscar Wilde's imprisonment. Mm. And, yeah, I've got a comic that I'm working on right now that has my mum and my dad and my uh, sister in. And they're, they're all as weird as each other so that'll be done by the summer i should hope so yeah you can if you can find all that stuff by just googling rob marland and uh yeah great stuff excellent so should we talk about what we're doing next i know we've got one lined up that we said we were going to do before christmas but we never got around to it so uh yeah I think our next one is probably going to be sliding doors mm. a little bit of paltrow We'll be opening a bottle of Grolsch and enjoying that one, won't we? Yeah, having some goop. (laughs) (laughs) Rather you than me, guys. Rather you than me. Feel free to watch it in sympathy with us. Yeah, yeah, we like it when people join in. Okay, (laughs) should we do the normal housekeeping? So... uh... Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. if you want to get in touch with us, uh, we're on Twitter at Still Any Good Pod. Instagram, Still Any Good Pod. We're also on Facebook, Still Any Good. And if you ever, ever wanted to email us, it's Still Any Good at gmail.com. And Rob, have you got a, a Twitter handle that people can find you on too? I know you do, I just want you to say it. Oh, yes, yes, I'm. I'm... Yeah, I do. It's, uh... Oh, sorry. Sorry. I was talking to the guest, yes. Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Chris, you've never asked before. Sorry. This is. I know this is yours. really touching. <laughs> Bloody no, yeah. yours. <laughs> yes, I do. It's Bauble Rob. Bauble as in Christmas Bauble. Rob as in Rob. That's it. Okay, it's getting very late at night for Robert Johnson and myself and getting mid-morning for, for Robbie Marlin. So uh, it's probably time to say goodbye. So thanks very much, folks, and we will see you again soon. Goodbye. Bye, everyone.